Oh boy, it's the Baldies. Somehow, yeah. no matter how early, how early we start them, we always get behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. I think this is the last thing we got to argue about before we toss it to the users and see what they have to say and do the, and, and do the uh, rewards award ceremony prep. Uh, the best actors, both male and female. Okay, do you want to start with fuck? Uh, Stranger Things two. Did, last year, didn't we group the boys as a unit? We did. We did. Is that warranted this time? I don't know time? that that is warranted this time. I feel like huh. increasingly that will be untenable. Hmm. Um, especially since, like, I, I I, think I did that a lot last year because I felt like the Will got sh- fucked mm-hmm. uh, since he wasn't in it as much as the other guys and didn't have as big of a role. But, Nat, like, arguably he was the star of this season. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's get into it. Uh, so. Okay. Best male actor for the leftovers. Um, I have a hard time. Like my my prejudice beginning this is somebody out of these categories is going to win best male and female actor. <laughs> and Here's I'm looking thing. for something yeah. to change my mind because honestly, a lot of shit challenged those notions as the year rolled on. Like okay, you yeah. know, like I I've thought seen the, a lot of good stuff since then. Yeah, I thought the, the the leftovers would be winning and not even close. But honestly, with the Deuce and Stranger Things two and Mister Robot coming on incredibly strong, I feel like there is uh, more of a challenge. So we'll, we'll see. Obviously, yeah. Justin Throw as Kevin uh, uh, Garvey Junior is one of the best roles I've ever seen, if not the best role I've ever seen. Uh, Justin Throw does an incredible job with it. It is a fundamentally ridiculous character that you have to believe in the humanity of, mm-hmm. and you always do, or at least I always do. Um, yeah, you know. But I also, I'm completely in the tank for this show. So like, am I. That's that's the problem. Yeah. If you don't like this show, then you know all these charms are going to be lost on you. But he just does just does an incredible job of being. Um, I don't know. Like he's an everyman, but he's exceptional and. He's also got a lot of range and a lot of things going on, and he's sympathetic and, I, I yeah, yeah. They, no, they, that, that he's character. funny, very funny. That's true. He's funny. It, it's just it's a complex performance because of the character he's playing, and I feel like that's where the leftovers really shines, and what yeah. makes it so hard for me to put stuff above it. Um, every single character in the leftovers feels like a great performance yes um and i i attribute that both to the actors primarily but also like the directing i think Uh every time i look at a scene of the leftovers i say and i don't know if this is like take one or take 170 you know but every time they seem like they stick with the scene the director says i'm going to get the performance that i absolutely want out of these people and we are not leaving this room until i do right and maybe they get it every time on the first time because these actors are so great Right. I don't know, but there, there's never a scene where I look at it and say that could have used a little more time, a yeah. little more work. Yeah, no, everything and, is just so polished, and it doesn't so, matter if it's so the first good. take or the fiftieth. The fact is, they right. give a shit and they don't ever take scenes off. Um, and it's, yeah. it reminds me a lot of um, like Better Call Saul, um, Breaking Bad, in that every layer of like you go at the eight, you go at the you know the the tier one characters, the tier two characters, the tier three characters. They're yeah. all excellent. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's like you know. I always mention Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like the main cast, 
pretty good. But right. as soon as you get to governor of the, the interplanetary governor of the week, it drops off a fucking or cliff. even some crew members, <laughs> even some yeah. crew members. I mean, there's exceptions for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but that's that's kind of the rule. And, and some of these shows just kind of defy that and, and have just just really excellent performances from top to bottom. Yeah. The leftovers being one of those. So it's like the other thing is like honestly they're so excellent, so uniformly excellent and not and not to excellent in like a showy way, but just mm-hmm. real. Like they yeah. feel like whatever they are they're they're nailing the shit out of whatever they're supposed to be doing is that they all kind of blend into the background. And yeah, it's true. excellence becomes the new standard, right? Like so, like like a third tier character from the leftovers arguably could put in better performances than the main tier of like still an excellent show like Game of Thrones, and yet they're not going to yeah. get mentioned because, well, first of all, it would just be ridiculous to have a top ten filled with one show. Um, <laughs> but yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's uh, so so we have Justin Thoreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Thoreau's performance, again, exciting, moving, relatable, funny, um, all those things. Christopher Eccleston as Matt Jameson, who, kind of my favorite character. I don't think he was my favorite character this season, but only because I feel like, I don't know, it was it was time for, uh, you know, Kevin and Nora to take center stage. So a yeah. lot of these, like, you know... And and to do that to to te- to wrap that up in a satisfying way, some of the other characters had to take back seats. Like, um, you know, Regina King mm-hmm. had a great scene with Carrie Coons, but yeah. it was one five minute scene. Yeah, and they, I feel like all the cast members get moments like that. I mean, even down to like Michael, right? He yeah. has the moment where he stands up in front of the church, sure, and gives his his speech. And I think like every character is given a moment to shine, but some of them shine throughout and. Christopher Eccleston this season, I feel like, was given a couple of really solid moments, like his conversations with Nora before yeah. she goes off to do what she does. Um, I like his his self righteous confrontation with God in uh-huh. the fairy episode. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think you didn't like that episode as much as I did, did you? Or am I? Uh, no, I I did not like that episode quite as much. But okay. I think the performance that Christopher Eccleston puts in at, of confusion and anger and. Uh-huh. Like all of that is really, really powerful, right? And then the 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 climax of that episode at the mm-hmm. end, where the thing at the end happens, and his just deadpan <laughs> reaction to it, uh-huh. I, I I just love it. And you know, like Christopher Eccleston might always be Matt Jameson to me now, mm-hmm. in the way that like I have a hard time looking past Justin Thoreau to seeing him as anything but Kevin Garvey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the uh, same way that Scott Glenn might be S- Kevin Carvey Sr. forever. Scott Glenn is so good because he's this, he's this wiry old man with wiry old man energy. Mm-hmm. And he plays it this like manic, lunatic prophet, but irritated that, that like he has to like, I'm, I'm, I've got the fate of the world <laughs> here. I can't bother explaining my aboriginal theories to you. And mm-hmm. um, just, 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 uh, it, it just does, just does really great work. Uh and again, a character that you could easily write off as absurd or over the top or too broad. And but but they find like in these emotional core, like I thought it was a brilliant conceit to have him, you know, listening to these tapes of his son back when they took this road trip after mm-hmm. Kevin's mother died um, to kind of humanize this kind of wild, crazy, rascally character. Um, it's, it's great. All three of these performances are great. 
And you yeah. can probably keep going down the line. We uh, talked about putting uh, Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. Uh-huh. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, fuck. That's a good question. Uh, I don't remember. From, but uh, we, we, who else would be... Um, who else would be a good candidate for... Uh, I mean, John, John the guy who plays Lynn John Baker. Murphy. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but he, I feel like he did his best work in season two. Right. Um, and season three, he had a couple moments. He had like a moment where, you know, he, he was out in the, the burnt down church or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was, you know, kind of soul searching. Um, yeah. and, and I remember those scenes being good. But yeah, I think his best stuff was in season two. Yeah. He was, and he had, because this... Um, He's a lot more calm. Last last season, he was a lot more fiery and volcanic, and this year, he's a lot more calm. But he, he's like, kind of playing a stooge for Christopher. Eccleston he really is. He's part. playing like the you know him and Michael are playing the other apostles alongside Peter. You yeah. know the, the the number one apostle. Um, but yeah, so Mark, we 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 thought we uh, argued about putting Marklin Baker. What we really think, I think, what we really need for like 2018 is maybe a guest star. Mm. Like yeah, you know, there were a lot of them. Uh, because cause there's a it seemed like this year was the year of the guest star where someone came in for one or two episodes that just kind of changed your idea of what they were capable of. Like Alexis Bledel, uh does one later. We're going to discuss in Handmaid's Tale, but uh, Marklin Baker, I didn't know he had it in him, and I talked about it in that episode. Right, I did not know he had this performance in him coming out of right. like I say coming out of and and he plays himself and that's why that's why this show is so brilliant because they're like just as a silly idea like oh what if we paid off some of these jokes we've made about Mark Lynn Baker disappearing or the whole cast of Perfect Strangers disappearing in the and uh, and whatever the the mm-hmm. uh, 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 and him uh, running to another country the, 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 and the like, departure yeah. and then him going to and then like. They started looking at him like, man, this guy is like a classically trained actor with like all this uh, you know, Gilliard experience and stuff. And he's got three degrees from Harvard and he's an extremely That's intelligent. Lawrence Gilliard's uh, acting, acting school. Yeah. What is it? Ju- Fuck it's it. Juilliard. Ju- <laughs> Juilliard. Thank you. Uh, here's your first Aaronism in the actor's category. Uh and they're just like the show is able to like okay this is no longer a joke this is something we're gonna do and it it holds up the real world scrutiny I don't know like yeah. I I could go on and on about the leftovers in the cast um, but he he was such a small role right it's not he was he, he was essentially one episode he he did exactly what he needed to do yeah um and so he, guest star would be a good category for that but probably not best male actor and unfortunately Justin Thoreau just steals the show. Like, I agree. This yeah. season more than any was about uh, his journey and Nora's journey and how they intersected and whether you liked the final episode had to rest on how much you believed uh, in their characters. Mm-hmm. And, and it had it had such a large amount of ground to cover um, as a performance because he needs to come from where we left him in season two, which is kind of a guy who is is very reluctant mm-hmm. um about his role in this whole thing mm-hmm. uh and i know he sort of starts to come around at the end of that season but um then you have to take him to this place however many years in the future i forget how many we decided it was right where he's now like i i can't even describe the complexity and the the subtlety of of this performance but like the the final scenes with nora and that whole episode is just 
an incredible performance that especially takes the character in a like different a direction farce that you every every bit of your being as a fan wants to fight against like what the fuck is sure. this guy show like what, what yeah. this doesn't make any sense what's going um no it's great it's great but it's it's a much i mean kevin garvey has always been a somewhat quiet character you mm-hmm. know he doesn't he doesn't say a lot he may do a lot um but i don't feel like he's he's making scenes and stuff um and at the end of this this season, he kind of takes it to an even quieter note uh-huh. with with this really just like it's almost a mournful performance. Uh-huh. And it's it's just incredible. It blew my mind. Right. It's a man. It feels like maybe he's uh, he's gotten this this fairly far in his life and has, has missed the boat. Yeah. Um, also, we could use a supporting uh, uh, actor slash character category for uh, Justin Thoreau's penis. Ah uh, yes, because it had a guest star. It had two appearances in a guest starring role in the penultimate episode. Uh-huh. It was spectacular. <laughs> uh, let us move on to Stranger Things too, where essentially every man on the planet is uh, is is nominated. David Harbor as Jim Hopper, Finn Wolfhard, what an awesome name! Well, just as Mike, as Mike name. Wheeler, uh, Gaten Matarazzo, I think, because oh. I thought it was Gotten, but everyone's saying Gaten on the the after the or Stranger Beyond Stranger Things. Yeah, he pronounces it in there, and I forget what he says. As Dustin, uh, Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas, Noah Schnapp as Will, uh, Joe Keery as Steve Harrington, uh, one of the seeming breakout stars of this season. Good old Sean Astin as Bob, the brain newbie, and the uh, shockingly not as evil as you would think Paul Reiser as as uh-huh. Dr. Sam Owens. But sure to come back in Stranger Things 3 as the evil Dr. Paul oh, Reiser. Yeah, he's, he's fucking fucking evil as the day is long. Um, uh, my question is, why is the guy who plays Billy not on this list? Billy, who the fuck yeah. is Billy? It's it's um. You talking about John? I thought you would be you shit you shit on me for Jonathan. It's the long hair asshole guy, the new the new kid in town. <laughs> because I, I think thought, it's a good performance. Yeah, I think but it's I a really it's good more of a guest slash. So he's not in every episode. He's in quite a few. He is. Um, I mean, do you? Do, I I'm inclined to agree, but at some point you're just like <laughs> you 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 have to you have to put six point five billion. Names on the list instead of seven billion are just becomes ridiculous. Sure, like you know, none of like 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 because here's the thing: um, who besides David Harbor and Noah Schnapp has a realistic shot at coming out of here and making some noise in the list? Nobody. Um, and I say because like so last year we largely put or the way i remember we put all four of the boys together as one like the the dude the 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 man the the boy the boy guys <laughs> the boy guys the boylings from... the younglings uh-huh. uh from stranger things and i did it mostly because i thought noah schnapp got shafted yeah uh his character was sidelined for most of the series so he didn't have a whole lot to do uh uh-huh. and then in season two he's arguably the star like he gets to do a lot of really complex, uh, you know, difficult things as as a young man. Yeah. Um, but they all have like you know Caleb and Gat- Gaten get that really awesome kind of like uh, you know love triangle with Mad Max. Um, mm-hmm. Finn, I think feel like Finn. Um, I don't know. He does a bad job, but Mike is a bit unlikable this season because he spends most of the time pining after Eleven yeah. and. Being a douche Ignoring to his, his friends, friends yeah. and to the newcomer, the Mad Max newcomer in the group. Yeah. 
Uh, and David Harbour is excellent. Like, I kind of want to give to him on the strength of his work with uh, against uh, Eleven, against mm-hmm. uh, uh, Miss Miss Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah, Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Um, I, I I mean, David Harbour's – it'd have to be between David Harbour and Noah Schnapp. Should we talk about uh, Joe Kiri as Steve Harrington? Because he's, like, uh, the biggest meme that came out of the show. <laughs> Sure. Like, 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 I feel like his his biggest character in season one to like. Well, that's the thing. Like, his character is something to talk about as like this really good arc, but I don't feel like the performance was above and beyond. Yeah, I, I think he did what he needed to do and he did it well. Um, but but I would say the character is more the star there than the actor. Okay, so we're back to we're back to Noah and David Harbor. Noah Schnapp and David Harbour, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Do you want to make Sean Astin? Like, Sean Astin is just... Uh, like, it, it feels good because he's the, the original Goonie, and he's in a show that has got such spiritual mm-hmm. connections to that era of entertainment. Yeah. Um, same with Paul Reiser. And I do feel like he plays this sort of, like... Not oblivious, but, like, just almost too good-natured person yeah. really well. And you, you kept expecting him to turn into, like, some, like, secret asshole who's just yeah. trying to get into Winona Ryder's pants and doesn't give a shit about the kids. And I, uh-huh. if I remember correctly, they kind of wrote him to be that way. They almost did that. But yeah. Sean Astin is just such a nice, they're like, no, nah, this, this, it doesn't, it doesn't track. So they made no. Bob uh, heroic and uh, the rest is history. But again, both, and Paul Reiser is notable for playing a whole bunch of science fiction assholes, which mm-hmm. is exactly what this role needs. You need mm-hmm. all of your history with Paul Reiser uh, to inform the role to for, for it to correctly work. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, to me, it's it's between Noah and David Harbour, and I guess... Shit, that's man, tough. And, and Noah does a lot of, like non-verbal acting because he spends a lot of time possessed or in trances trances or trying to communicate why he's unconscious and that's very hard to do but he doesn't get this the scream at full intensity at millie bobby brown and her scream back at him for like forever in this abandoned cabin so i kind of i kind of want to give it to david harbour but he has his own abandoned cabin scene where he's tied up to the that's what i'm saying that's that's, uh, that's his shed scene and like you know, and his mother setting him on fire scene. The, yep, and then like I remember just how like crazy the fucking possession scene was. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there yeah. again, that like that's just a bunch of CGI happening to somebody, um, right? But he sells it. He sells it. He does sell it. He does sell that in the aftermath. Uh, can we can we go through and like bold the people who will win for the shows? Well, because I, I, maybe I, I want to say that two, like right? I also. Um, one easy way to break this gridlock is just put them both in. That's we're not... what I was going to say. Yeah, let's put okay. both of them in, and right. then at the end we'll come back and do our top ten or top two, whatever it is. I am so with that. Okay. Uh, Mr. Robot, Rami Malek as Elliot Anderson. I liked that First of Elliot all, opened up some more this season. I he got will... over his his simply being like this this quiet weirdo uh-huh um and he he stood up to some people and he told people to go fuck themselves uh he tried to set angela straight in a memorable scene i i don't know i think he had a lot more to do this season than he has in previous ones with the exception of maybe like stuff like the the tripping episode and uh-huh. things like that uh-huh. uh um, yeah i thought Ramy was really good this this year 
I feel the same thing about Christian Slater. Like he had some really good scenes that were aided with a lot of like dramatic, like like the where he transforms uh, in uh, Christine. Is that his therapist's name? Her office. And they did a lot oh, of cool things with the set and like a darkening, like it, it felt like a very physical transformation of, of Remy yeah. turning into to, uh, Mr. Robot that was really good. Um, yeah, yeah, those moments almost kind of combine the Remy Malik Christian Slater performances, right? Right. The transitional right. scenes. I'll tell you what, I'll flip this fucking table if B.D. Wong doesn't make it no, B.D. Wong the list. Is, both B.D. Wong and Bobby Cannavale, in my opinion, outshine... Rami and Christian Slater, and maybe it's just because I totally I've seen agree. more of Rami and Christian Slater. Uh-huh. But Bobby Cannavale comes in like a fucking nuclear bomb mm-hmm. this season, and he he's so like unassuming at first, and just the look that he's got, right? Combined with the performance that that guy gives, to me, it was one of the most riveting things I've watched. Yeah, and I was associated Bobby kind of the first thing I really saw him and like took notice of him was uh his season three villain in uh Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Where he just played a fucking crazy person. Right. Scary it's just a frightening, scary person. And then I've seen him in like the station agents where he's just like happy go lucky almost kind of goofball. Yeah. And then I saw this where he's like this used car salesman, and I'm like, Okay, well this is another aspect, but then they, they brought back that ferocity mm-hmm. that, that this guy is capable of. Um, and it's really good. And B.D. Wong has played this very difficult role of the dual identity of, of Zhang, who is this, you know, very buttoned down minister of security for China and his hacker alter ego, White Rose, uh, which is a woman. And I was talking about like in, you know, as we we're talking about the finale, like the difficult voice acting he's doing where he's doing. He's giving himself a female voice, but it's not like a caricature. Mm-hmm. And it's also something that he can he can be like seductive with, he can have a normal conversation with, and he can scream at the top of his rope. And I'm like, that's that's really hard to do and also to have that same those same layers as Zhang where he can be superficially charming, um, but then also like turn like the the, the ice in his, his his veins on and be completely ruthless. And yeah. the fact that this is the guy who handled eggs in Jurassic Park. I know. I was I was sitting here looking through his um his filmography. Right. And like I haven't seen a lot of the stuff he's been in. Probably Jurassic Park is one of the few things I've seen him in. Right. Um and yeah, to go from like that, he's been in other stuff. The the Salt and Sea. Well, it's also it's and... also kind of deliciously ironic that his character is one notable one scoffing at the idea of transgender dinosaurs. You <laughs> right. know, oh, are you suggesting that the females are going to breed? <laughs> and then he later plays away, a, a, a transgendered Chinese national badass. And I mean, he simply disappears into both of those roles. He really, like, I I don't see B D Wong on the screen when I see that. I see White Rose and Zhang. Yeah. Uh, same with Bobby Cannavale. I mean, I... Bobby Cannavale is shocking how, like, in the first few episodes, I kind of started forgetting he's Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. And then the final episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Bobby Cannavale. Uh, I, so I'm I'm almost thinking of just skipping over Rami and Christian and going with BD I mean, and Bobby. It, it sucks because they both put in excellent performances, but yeah. 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 Um, it, it's... It's easier to for those actors to kind of get out of the way of the acting, in my mind. 
Uh, let's talk about The Deuce. The Deuce is another show very much like The Leftovers where its its bench is wide and deep mm-hmm. uh, for both male and female <laughs> actors. We have exactly three. And I pared it down to three. Uh, James Franco as the dual role of Vincent and Frankie Martino. He plays both those brothers, and we discussed already in the, the main category what a how in a year where... You already had stunt casting of Ewan McGregor as mm-hmm. twin brothers that this could see this could be as an also ran. But honestly, it's a damn good thing that Fargo came out later than the deuce because I don't think Ewan's role would have compared favorably. Mm. No, I mean, James Franco, the the writing is not the, the character and the writing is not what defines these characters in my mind is James Franco's performance. Right. I, I can I can look at the screen and by the performance, by the way the character is acting, I can tell which mm-hmm. one it is, mm-hmm. even though they look almost identical. Right, right. Uh, which you can't say the same about Ewan's performance in Fargo. No, that performance Because those characters is, look very, very different. Yeah, one of the characters is essentially Ewan McGregor with a North Dakota accent, and the other right. is some some Hollywood mask of Ewan McGregor that was left in an oven too long. <laughs> <laughs> and they shaved his head, uh-huh. and they just did a bunch of unfortunate things too. So, like, you would yeah. never get them confused. Um, Gary Carr is CC, so he is. Yeah, He's... I mean, there's so many great pimps. There are, yeah. Which is to say, there's so many terrible, awful pimps in this yeah. show. But I felt like CC was the most important one, mm-hmm. and the one that, like, I guess. The the depths of his depravity at points like really shocked me because I found myself really liking him and seeing him as kind of like you know not a respectable businessman because you can't forget the fact he's a pimp but like you can mm-hmm. kind of start thinking but no but like there's a couple scenes just lays how these pimps see women as this commodity that they've like you know and Dave, Dave Chappelle goes into this in one of his stand ups about he reads. Um, from this uh, this kind of like tell all thing from this this that this pimp wrote in the seventies, and he talks about like how pimps could size up women and know exactly how many fucks they got in them before they snap and are no longer useful. Wow! And how they can like extend that like like it's it's fucking sick. And this season of uh, among all the different things the Deuce was ma- uh, able to do, also got those kind of thesis in there. And CC was a big reason of why that made it. And you know Gary Carr is someone as Char- it's it's like if it's, it's like watching Prince cut a woman. It's just shocking. <laughs> right. Like someone that that's like shocking and or someone that that's charming and 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 stylish um, that will just whip out a razor blade and go to town on you. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's shocking. And I'll put I'll put Lawrence uh, Gillier Jr. as the officer Chris Alston, the kind of straight laced, tough black sergeant that is seeing all the corruption in his precinct and decides to start doing something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a ton of really great performances. Uh, all the other pimps who I don't know their names of are really, really good in this. Um, there's, uh, uh, I, I liked the the gangster, both the like like I, I liked the gangster and the gangster's right hand man. Um, I really liked James Franco's bartender. Or I guess mm, Vincent's yeah. bartender, and they explore kind of like the Stonegate riots and mm-hmm. like uh, the the fact that like I guess I mean I'm I'm just saying stuff that I think the show is trying to tell me. I'm not a history of of uh, uh, I'm not a historian for for gay subculture, but it seems like that this rising boat of like 
society not being so uptight about judo christian morality kind of raised their boat a little bit too mm-hmm. you know um the, the shit that was going down in the village and the shit that was going down on the deuce uh let people to be a little you know kind of let their fleet freak flags fly and that was that was exciting and that him going to like the very one of the very first discotheques mm-hmm. and like seeing like this could be the future where the you know all these beautiful people can be out there and they're blasted out of their minds on drugs and music and having a good time mm-hmm. uh it's good it's good it is yeah uh, there definitely there are definitely people who deserve to be on that list that we're probably leaving off, but I guess I'm I'm okay with My that. My question is, do any of these list. guys make it out of this show onto the big board? Because I, I don't know. Like if, um, I guess Gary Carr is the one that I would single out because he's like James Franco is just good and believable and rock solid, mm-hmm. as is Lawrence Gillier Jr. But is that enough? Is that enough this year? Like I've seen, I've seen that Vincent Frankie rolls a million different times yeah. in a million different shows. I've seen like you know the good cop in the only good cop in a bad precinct in a million other shows. I've never seen quite seen someone like Gary Carr or Cece. Yeah, I I I want to say that maybe Lawrence Gillier Jr. is going to get some better material later on because this is a very quiet season for him you know yeah, this he's, is, yeah. he's doing a lot but the, the the there's not a lot of action happening around him yet right there um, will be i feel yeah, but, yeah yeah and maybe his performance will get a chance to shine because i think the performance is very quiet mm-hmm. uh which is not which is not bad but it's not that exciting it's either, all building right? it's so, all building like like they built they, they they gave him the horns of a dilemma at the very end of the season that yeah. Some of these characters have been dancing on since episode one, but it's just yeah. like you know, as David Simon, he doesn't give a shit about you winning Emmy. He wants you to fit into the you know the him and, and uh, Pecalanos want you to fit into the machine the way they want so they can tell the story. That has the effect. Yeah. Um, Whereas Gary Carr had a hell of a first season, right? Um, and the performance to match it. I feel like Gary Carr is the one that maybe makes it out to make some noise in the general list. Do you have an argument I, against that? No, you, no, I think he do should. You wanna, I, do you want to put James like, in there, too? I kind of want both of them, yeah. All right. Because I, I mean, think the work that James Franco is doing is essential for that show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Fargo, having having shit on his role as the brothers Emmett <laughs> and Ray Stussy... Ewan McGregor was still really good in that role. And yeah. He did a lot of character and space work. Um, and honestly, it's not his fault that he was telling the story of brothers that are just past their middle age prime, uh-huh. and it's like a tale of two, like like there, there's like the discrepancy, but trajectories ex- yeah. exactly. Whereas you know James Frank or like Vin- Vinny and Vincent are essentially at the same stage of life, and they're young mm-hmm. men, and they haven't had time to. I mean, I'm sure Frankie in 15 years will look like hell. Probably the hepatitis so, yeah. and the herpes will have taken the role. Their and toll. The, the alcoholism is going to get Vincent, so yeah, well, they might yeah. look exactly the same. I don't it, know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was it was pretty good. And there's also like just some really savage heart of darkness shit that goes on here. Yeah. Uh, and, and I I do think you know he's assisted certainly by the makeup and, and yeah. the hair yeah. uh, department, but I think he does bring a very different feel to each of these brothers as well. Uh, in his performance, I don't think that can be really overlooked. Yeah. However, 
I have to say I don't think he's going to win anything for Fargo because the next person is on the list. That's true. Let's talk about David Thewlis, David Thewlis as VM Vargo. is a fucking monster in this show. You know, it's funny because I've mentioned this a couple of times in different podcasts, but Cecily and I have been working our way back through the Harry Potter catalog. Uh-huh. And David Thewlis comes in on season Does three as one of the Snape? most beloved. No, he's one of the most beloved of Harry's professor advisors, like a true friend and ally and gentle. Alan Rickman plays Snape. Right? Alan Rickman okay. plays Snape. And he's a he's even though he well, I'm not going to spoil anything for people who haven't seen Harry Potter, but he's just a complete dick bag. David Thewlis is the <laughs> kind of guy who if you're like you like like he's just a good he's just a good guy he's like right underneath Dumbledore as far as like one of the more important mentors that Harry Potter has and he's warm and he's friendly but he he's also tormented uh and it's just the fact that this guy is the same guy that plays VM Varga is fucking insane yeah to me David Thewlis put himself on the map along with like Gary Oldman as one of the very best character actors that we've got because you cannot yeah. play Satan the Devil and Michael the Archangel and not be a really great actor, in my opinion. Uh-huh. You can't play Commissioner Gordon and fucking uh, Nosferatu and not be a good actor like like Oldman. And David Dulles is amazing. Yeah. Um, he's He also... I, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Like the Zero Theorem, he, he plays a really mm-hmm. good character in that. Um mm-hmm. I mean, he going way, way, way back. Wasn't he in that? Uh, Is he the best villain in on TV this year? The, yeah, I, I think possibly. I mean, off the cuff, sure. I'm with you too. He, I can't. He think. might be the best villain. I mean, there are some really memorable villains, and I know you haven't seen this, but um, in uh, American Gods, mm-hmm. but I mean. And he's even got that slightly, possibly Cohen-esque supernatural evil thing going for him, too, where he can stand toe-to-toe against dark gods on American gods and still, but yeah, he's, he might be the, the worst villain. And, um, it's and also, it just doesn't work without that slimy performance that he delivers. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's like, I, I mean... It's not... It's not I, I mean, like, slimy in the worst possible way, not just like, oh, this guy is a... A slick talker. On three separate occasions, this character made me physically <laughs> ill with yeah. his behavior and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something else. And then I threw in Michael Stolberg as uh, Cy Feltz, who I had yeah. only previously really known as um, shit. Who's, Empire. Yeah. Um, um, shit. They called him know. by his initials, right? It was like AR. Oh, Arnold Rothstein. Yes. I don't know as this kind of quirky Arnold Rothstein performance. And he puts in, first of all, everyone on Fargo looks like they're having so much fun because the, the, the Minnesota nice accent that they're all doing, like Ewan McGregor chewing through that, you know, mm. you betcha stuff is hilarious. And Michael Stolberg does it like to the nth degree. He's like Mike Didka of the Far- Fargo universe. And the stuff that they do to this man's dignity. <laughs> Uh, yeah. With with like this this the stand in of his mustache uh-huh. is is just amazing. It's 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 just really very funny and also tragic. And he has some great comic performances. Yes, he does. Um, there's one. There's something. It's just right out of like. Um, there's the like. This is what happens when you fuck a man in the ass. Uh-huh. Scene from uh, uh, the Big Lebowski when he's in his jeep. Yeah. When, when he's when in his fucking Hummer, like I'm telling you, this guy gets such broad comedy, but also some deep wells of tragedy by the end. And that, yeah, there's a scene late in the season where he just like breaks down crying in front of his wife 
over the shit that David Thewlis has put him through. Yeah. And it's just it's it's heart it's it's heartbreaking. After he drinks the tea. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh this guy has had an incredible run these last few years. You know, um, he, he was in The Post. So he's in Boardwalk Empire. Yep. And then he did Steve Jobs movie. He was in Trumbo, which was an excellent documentary. He did Arrival. He did he Doctor did do Strange. Rival. He did do Doctor Strange. <laughs> he did The Shape of Water and The Post this year. Huh. And Fargo. I've seen The Post. The Post is amazing. And he was good in it. And The Shape of Water, I've heard I've excellent heard great things, things about, too. So, so good job, uh, Michael Stelberg. Yeah, he's going to have Stelberg. a pretty big career, I imagine. Uh, and and he is one of those guys who kind of disappears in every role he plays. Yeah, you know he can he is a great character actor. Uh, so David Thewlis makes it out of this category. Mm-hmm. Does Ewan or, or or Michael? Shit, I, I'm more inclined to give it to Michael Stol Stolberg Stolberg. I don't know how I say that. I still don't know. If it's worth if it's worth put, throwing him out there in, in circulation because David Thewlis is so much better, like, he's like, given better material, certainly. Yeah, um, yeah. And what he does with it is truly impressive, right? Um, and I feel like if David Thewlis weren't so good in this show, that Michael Stuhlberg would definitely make it. But that's the thing; like Michael Stuhlberg requires David Thewlis's Varga to mm-hmm. play. That's true. And I don't know. You could say the same thing. Like, maybe Varga isn't as scary if he's not rolling tough on poor size mustache. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I To me, David Thewlis makes it out. If you Like I said, if you want me to bold Michael Stolberg, I, I will do that. But otherwise, I want to move on to the young Pope. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to stick sorry, my neck out Michael. for, for Cy Felt, Felt, Felt. Yeah, let's go to the young Pope. All right, young Pope. Jude Law as the young Pope. He's he's irresistible. This performance is just captivating. Like I thought it was going to be good in like a ridiculous over the top vampy Jude Law prancing around in papal robes and slippers and jewelry uh, and shit and tracksuits. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect the other side, which is everything else he does. He he plays a living saint. He plays a complicated, flawed human. He he's, he, he's he plays remar- a fiery servant of god right um, like tired of the hypocrisy and and the the scoff law of nature of the modern catholic church like there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of really cool and important things that they're trying to say about religion that requires you to take this character very seriously and everything about the performance and costuming and and is trying to take you in the other direction and that's that's hard and also yeah. the man's ridiculously good looking sure like he pulls all this shit off and makes it look cool. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they basically talk about that throughout the series, you know, how oh, amazingly perfect a lot of this, pope, shit, this pope it, looks. It, a lot of him gliding through is shot like a Milan fashion show. <laughs> right. Yeah. And with totally. the, it, and, and it's, you know, like we talked about his fucking ass and that track, that, that papal track suit. And I guess this is all part of performance, right? Because... The way you look is part yeah. of who you are as a performer. So I don't want to discount like and just say, oh, well, Jude Law is looking hard. good. Has he had to work to do with so it. hard on that ass that they had to incorporate <laughs> his ass workout into the materials just That's so true. like because he couldn't like, hey, look, 
if I take the ass time There's off no for these takes, it's a plot it, hole. <laughs> it'll deflate like a souffle. So I've got you got to get me in there working that uh, ass or like I think yeah. from like a plot perspective it's <laughs> right. it doesn't make any sense that you could have an ass like that if you're the pope. I'm like, like we need like, to tell people why. You can spend no more than 15 minutes not doing squats or right. that thing just just goes apart. <laughs> so other in the spectrum of physical beauty. Yeah, no, uh, his his performance is incredible too and it makes that role. I don't I can't see anyone else in that role. Really? No to the extent one. that, like, I love the young Pope, but, like, the idea that they're going away from the young Pope for, a, uh, like, an entirely unrelated new Pope sequel has me a thousand percent less interested in it. Yeah. Now, maybe the trailer comes out and I'm right back on. Maybe. Because uh, if I had just seen the title of the young Pope, I'd assume it was a fucking joke and laughed it off. It was the trailer mm. that made me like, shit, I got to see this. Other than the spectrum, Silvio Ar- Orlando as Cardinal Viello, uh, the Moleface Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, as we affectionately referred to him, Cardinal Moleface. Yeah. Um, he, he he's plays like the a anti, truly he's confused... the anti-Jude Law. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's. I mean, he comes into this thinking he's got his job on lock. Mm-hmm. And the way he portrays this very confused and disturbed Cardinal yeah. who is being constantly shit on and mm-hmm. and bamboozled like he's just being given the runaround by this pope right uh he doesn't know which way is up and he right. plays that so convincing right and he's so like i guess the catholic were to be venial like he's so suspecting everyone of being corrupt and mm-hmm. because he himself because he but yeah. he's but he also like this like you want to see him as the villain but as the series wears on you see that he has his moments of grace too he does and he yeah. has his like complexities a lot of those scenes with his son is it his I don't son think his son it's i think it's just an someone adopted, that he, yeah like a big brother kind of thing right yeah that he's yeah. doing kind of like you know this is his uh his ministry of christ his personal ministry of christ that he keeps see- it's not something he's even doing as a right. as a, oh look how awesome i am it's something he's doing all on the down low yeah. um yeah it's 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 really great. And watching him like just be so fucking angry and consternated over the shit that Jude Law's doing and then also there's just some incredible scenes. Like I remember when the Pope shows up with all the cardinals at the one um Charlatan's house or like like he's uh mm-hmm. I, I, what do you call that? A false messiah or whatever. Sure. And they're like all arranged like some kind of medieval painting, and they're like, you know, we got a bone to pick. I can't remember exactly what badass thing he said, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's a great show. It's a great show with great performances. Uh, Javier uh, Camara as Cardinal Guterres. He is. How would you describe he's that? That the, the alcoholic. Um, he's struggling with alcoholism. He's a gay priest too, right? Don't they establish uh, that? I think yeah. Later on, they do, which I, I guess is part of why he's an alcoholic here because right. he's he's in this ministry where, you know, that's obviously not allowed, right? Um, and yeah, I think there are there are several scenes with him, especially when he's found out, uh-huh. um, where he delivers some truly heartbreaking, excellent performances, right? And he's like he's a. He's one of those characters who is devout, but not in a calculating way. Like I think Jude Law and uh, as the Pope and Cardinal Viello are, but he's right. like just a, a decent guy who's thrown himself in the seminary and has got this like you know minor position in the the House of God, and he's caught between his loyalties to the Church and his loyalties to the, and to the Pope, and 
and the attraction to the Pope, not in like a sexual way, but in like a magnetic. This guy. Oh, he's probably checked out the Pope's ass. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not. I I'm 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 not gay, but I checked if out Jude Law's ass Scarlett every single Johansson. time it bounced into my view. Yeah, yeah, I'd be checking out the Pope's ass too. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great. And then like it's one of those things where like Lin, the you know Jude Law's Pope, I guess believed in this guy and his like purity and innocence that he gave him these very important positions and. Mm. Um, and also, like, there's this little arc where you kind of suspected him as failing. Like, like Linny is just an idiot. He sent this guy off to confront this powerful Ameri- American cardinal that's been abusing children all this time. And you think this guy's just going to completely shit to bed. And he digs down deep and doesn't. And yeah, great, great arc for him. Um, but I mean, who a- every everyone is out shined here by jew law yeah it's like it's like i mean everybody yeah you want to you're just like your jupiter and then the sun uh yeah jude law is just amazing and it's he's worth like there's so many other reasons to watch this show but like if i can if i can just get you into the door of the the young pope by jude law's just crazy hilarious poignant petty bitchy performances as pope it's scary sometimes too scary yeah. yeah Yeah, but I also I can't undersell how funny this show is too. Yeah, like hysterically funny. Some of the shit that that, that happens in context. Mm-hmm. Um, Handmaid's Tale. I haven't seen this. Appropriately, so. the only male that I found, and this is just kind of like eh, Joseph Fiennes as Commander Fred Waterford, but I don't. I don't know if this character doesn't work because he's not supposed to work. Like, if they make this guy who is one of the principal architects of the utter subjugation of these women, they make him too sympathetic, then what the fuck kind of story are you trying to tell? Right. But as a result, this guy is just a banality of evil asshole who isn't, like, he's not... David Thewlis as VM Varga for sure. He's just an mm-hmm. utterly forgettable bureaucratic mm-hmm. asshole that does not his pulse doesn't really rise much. It doesn't fall too far. Like he's there in service of the other characters. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe that's true. You don't want him like to be this this uh, scenery chewing villain either. Um, but he's just kind of meh, and but he's the least meh of all the men in the show. Yeah, I mean a lot of times. You know, performance depends on the material right. that you have to work with. And I can honestly only think of one other. Well, there's um, the guy who plays. Maybe I should have put the guy who plays um, Alfred's uh, 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 husband in the old world. But honestly, I didn't think he was great. I didn't mm-hmm. think he was super great. So, Ralph, he's not. I'm not even going to bold him. I'm not even going to bold him. Okay. Uh, godless godless jeff daniels as frank griffin so you impressed upon me that i needed to see this i've watched the first three episodes and i can confirm Uh, jeff daniels the man who was in dumb and dumb and dumber is a terrifying bad guy just Uh just a really bad guy but he looks like Dave Jeff Daniels in full Santa Claus f- mode. Yeah, big old bushy beard. Big great, old great bushy, big bushy beard. beard. Yeah. He's kind of like you know chubby. He's still got like Jeff Daniels fairly open and affable face. <laughs> uh huh. He's just really, really bad guy. He is, yeah. Um, and, and I would say you probably haven't even seen the best of Jeff Daniels' work in that yet because yeah. there is nuance to that character, and it's it's, um. 
What's the, I think it's in the second episode where he comes upon this Norwegian encampment. Yeah. And he sits down and he puts their kid on his knee and he starts telling the story mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to kill every one of these people. Uh-huh. And then at the end, there's a scene that's like, it's like, okay, they let the tension off where it's like, okay, this is just... This is just making sure people take him fucking seriously. But then at the very end, they twist a knife, and he's just as bad as he think he's going to be. Right. And I was I was pretty impressed. Sat up and took notes. Yeah. Um, he has he has several more scenes that really stand out in my mind uh, as great performances. And I would say he's probably the only person in that show who really uh, male wise who really impressed me. Yeah. I think the guy who plays Roy Good is fine. Um, he's just okay. But mostly that. That is a forgettable He's a good-looking, good serious young man. Right. Um, the guy who plays Whitey Wynn is definitely likable. Um, who the hell is Whitey Wynn? He's the, the kid who twirls his guns and oh, shoot, like stops yeah, that's, the, uh, the shootout in the street. That's jo- Jojen uh, yes, yes. From, from Game of Thrones. Right. Um, yeah, I no, think he's, he's super likable. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I, don't, Re- really I wouldn't call his die. performance amazing, but no. he... Let's say he might mature into some someone who can act really, really well. Yeah, he he had a lot more to do than Jojen Jojen yeah. uh, uh, Reed. He gets killed by a fireball, though. Surprisingly, that's true. Yeah. Right after being stabbed to death by a zombie. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> turn for Godless, but that's happened. Um, well, maybe uh, they prayed what more. Are the, what are the other male characters in here? I mean, there are a lot of like lieutenants well i mean Jeff that's Daniels, the thing the whole but... concept of this town is that it was mostly depopulated from dudes because everyone worked at the mine and the mine exploded right so like there's an end universe reason for why there ain't a lot of dudes in the the world of gods oh the scooter other McNary. is scoot yeah scoot. scoot scoot scooter scoot mcnary a man with the silliest name who yet <laughs> nevertheless puts in very serious performances uh, he does and he's really good in this he, he was really funny as the weirdo parolee in uh, the early goings of the season of Fargo. Oh, yeah. That right. was him. Shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I can't separate him from his role in Halt and Catch Fire. It's a very interesting performance. Uh, like a law, like a, like imagine if Wyatt Earp's eyes started going bad when he was 40. Yeah. And that's like essentially the the arc of his character as I can see it. That like, and what he do didn't you want do? to tell anyone. Well, no and, shit. And he, he was like, well, I mean, obviously, he. I don't know why he doesn't step down as sheriff. <laughs> yeah, Come especially on. you know, extremely he didn't dangerous know, job. He didn't know how fucking badass Jojen had gotten. Yeah, while he started going blind. Uh, but and he doesn't want to tell anyone either. Obviously, right. so like this is all shit they established in the very first. This yeah. is not spoilers. We're trying to not. We're trying to do this as an unspoilery way as we possibly can. Yeah, and I, sure, I'm not too concerned with throwing spoilers out there. But yeah, I, I think. It's an interesting character. I don't know that the performance is... I don't know. It's good. It's it's good. It's just not Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels steals the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable. From with... maybe all but one person who's not in the male category. <laughs> um, let's move on to Game of Thrones, which had a quiet season. This is... I wouldn't say it's a setback season, but I would feel comfortable no. saying it's a minor disappointment. Uh... Some of it, I, yeah. For the very first time, I had to overlook some significant things in a season to maintain my enjoyment. I did maintain my enjoyment. Yeah, no, the rest of it was good. But there's um, a there's a there's a, an unfortunate plot point in the middle of the season that really makes a couple episodes tough sledding, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 water under the bridge. But it kind of like it kind of soured me. Plus, everything else is so good, it kind of soured me on uh, the individual performances. Also. 
much less uh, much less quiet um, powerhouse performance and much more CGI spectacle. And yeah. that's probably going to be the case next season, too. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I feel like there were a couple of good performances, and we have them... We have them down here, which it's weird because we <laughs> did don't. Did I write Nicholas Coster as Wild Out? No. As, wild. <laughs> uh, yeah. as Jamie. Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's talk about Euron because. Euron Greyjoy, who plays this demented mad pirate king who had to make an impression on us because really was was kind of shotgunned into the series yeah. last last season and needed to make a splash. And uh, Pilo Aspeak, mm-hmm. I believe is how you pronounce this guy's name. Did just that. That naval battle, he was ferocious and badass and unhinged. Uh, he had a lot of great scenes where he's tormenting uh, Jamie over... He's just a really despicable Trying person. to seduce the queen. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's a real asshole. Yeah, he, he made me hate Euron uh, in right. a way that I needed to hate Euron. And I feel like right. if that doesn't work, none of that plot works. right. And Nikolai Koster-Waldau continues to excel as a basically decent man whose life has turned into, has, has hammered, has been, is trying desperately to hammer into the role of a villain. Yeah. Like, if he was born 100, if he was born 100 years earlier and was able to serve on the Kingsguard of, like, you know, the good King Aegon, he might be spoken alongside the most heroic characters in Westeros, but instead he had the, the displeasure of, of serving for the Mad King and later Robert Baratheon, none, and yeah. then his, his shitty bastard son, and then his, his shitty sister wife. And it's just, it's, it's uh, I don't know. But he also continues to be sympathetic as a guy who also threw an eight-year-old out of a window to start the series off. No, so. I feel like he and, <laughs> and Danny have a lot in common, actually, mm. with their characters. Because they're both being sort of pulled by very powerful forces in opposite directions. You know, like, Jamie has this birthright that he's trying to maintain. He also has the love for his sister that he's trying to to fulfill i suppose but also his good nature is pulling him in other directions um his his affection for his brother is pulling him in other directions i know that's on the rocks but like there's a there are a lot of different powerful things pulling him in several directions same with amelia clark's character danny uh Uh, she has you know the fact that she's a woman pulling Uh her in one direction uh the fact that she is born of these dragons pulling her Uh in another direction Uh Uh, the this new relationship, Jon Snow's ass, right, they, they put right, right up there with Jude Laws pulling her in yet another. Yeah, and all of her advisors pushing her in directions. Like, yeah. will she be this fiery evil queen, or will she be the salvation of Westeros? Like, those are very big ideas that are pulling her. Um, and I mean, Jamie, I, I think Nikolai, Nikolai, I think it's Nikolai. Because I was, I think I, I remember be someone correcting me that because I, it, it looks like it should be Nikolaj. Yeah, I guess that's like a, a Danish Norwegian thing. I'll just call him Nikki. Nikki, uh, little little Nikki Custer Wild dude. Nikki does a great job at portraying all of the for like showing on his face in every scene mm-hmm. all of that weight mm-hmm. um, in a way that like. Tyrion wasn't really able to do much this season. Right. I didn't feel like in past seasons I felt like he has shown that in mm-hmm. in a much greater way, but mm-hmm. this season he was kind of I, I don't know, didn't have a whole lot to do in that regard. To the extent that I'm not even sure any of these guys get bolded yeah. for consideration. Um I, I feel you on that. The closest I would say is Euron because 
he had an essential role to play this season. Yeah. Um, it does feel like we're discounting uh, Nikolai's work because it's been so uniformly excellent for right. four or five seasons now. That's the trouble. Uh, but I, like I said, I, I, I'm afraid people will give a shit for this because it's our most popular show, but I honestly don't feel like any of these guys had did better jobs than the people we've already put on the list. Um, right now American gods. Did you see any of those episodes? Because no. Ian McShane, um, if, if you like Deadwood era, Ian McShane, Ian McShane is a lot of fun to watch on American Gods. And American mm-hmm. Gods is a lot of fun to watch in general uh, as his 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 role of this mysterious Mr. Wednesday uh, who recruits the hero on a bizarre, bizarre quest, supernatural quest. Um, he's having a lot of fun. Like he's badass, he's cool, he's kind of a shit. He's he's the it's it's exactly the lane that Ian McShane excels in. Having said that, I don't know if it's enough to get him get him on to the next like the next list because he's essentially playing Ian McShane. Hmm. Like this this character is not materially different than his character that runs the Continental on John Wick, which is not materially different from his character that runs the bar in. You're Deadwood. saying he's not acting; he's just being himself. It's kind of like Harrison Ford. Yeah. You know, is Harrison Ford acting? I mean, I, I've seen Harrison Ford when he acts, and I've seen mm-hmm. Harrison Ford when he's just being Harrison Ford, and I don't know. I don't know. And the fact okay. that you haven't seen it makes it even harder to make him as a uh, as a baldy. Okay. Um, let's move on to Better Call Saul. Michael McKean and Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, this is a tough one. I think Michael McKean puts in uh, the better of the two performances, the the more difficult of the two performances, and just nails it. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> the the final episode is so strong, and even like the courtroom scenes are so incredible and right. he plays that character with such a uh what's the word i i don't want to call him a psychopath he's not a psychopath he's a um he's he's just a baddie he's right. he's got like <laughs> he's got something wrong with him right. and and he portrays that so well uh and it's it's such a complicated character too right because it's not it's not even necessarily that there's anything wrong with him. It's right. almost a crutch he uses to gain sympathy or to guilt his brother. And, like, the the nuance with which Michael Keane portrays all of those different elements of the essential ruse that's going on here is masterful. He reminds me a lot of, like, a Javert from Les Miserables, where he's just single-minded in his pursuit of justice that blinds him to the exculpatory qualities that his quarry might have. Like, he Mm. just sees his poor brother Jimmy as this dangerous criminal, which is kind of ridiculous. Sure. Uh, In the the world of dangerous criminals, (laughs) Jimmy doesn't make any kind of short list. Mm -hmm. Um, But that does. That does. that Like, that blinds him in, like, these these childhood, like, petty jealousy is what it seems like he has. And Mm -hmm. it's also remarkable, and I think this is only the second time in Bald Move history, where I've just actively rooted for someone's downfall. Uh And then when I get it, immediately, like, oh, oh, no, I didn't. No, (laughs) not like this. Not like this. this. Uh, Lori's uh, victory burrito fiesta and... uh, (laughs) Now Chuck, fuck the fuck yeah. the fuck the fuck the fuck Chuck uh, team got their way, and then 
not sure not sure how I felt about it. I I honestly think Bob Odenkirk. I mean, he's great. He's great, but mm-hmm. he's just completely outshined by my, what Michael McKean is allowed to do. Yeah, not to take anything away from Bob, I, I just think Michael McKean is has the better material here. And like the fact that Jim, they keep making Jimmy go to the comedy well, which mm-hmm. they kind of need to. But we've long talked that like, yeah, yeah, comedy's hard. Maybe it's even harder than drama, but. When you see them both on a stage, it's like you can't get over the fact that like one of them's a clown and one of them is you know this this dramatic personage and yeah. the dramatic personage usually wins. So, For sure. uh, Michael McKean, I think, is the one that gets the bold. Yeah. He gets the bold. Maybe he'll take home the gold. <laughs> the Stu- the Patrick Stewart gold. Uh, Legion Dan Stevens. Dan hmm. Stevens is David Haller. Um, I thought about putting. Jermaine Clement. I thought about putting Jermaine Clement because he's so good and funny, uh-huh. um, but also mostly kind of like you know solid and grounded and, and good. But I also thought about the, um, you know the the guy who's got the hat, the the sister that lives within him. I forget him. Like the, the the they talked a lot about him being a trained mime and the physicality of his performances. Um, but I don't know. Like I, you 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 know the guy the. You seriously can't remember the their like their technical genius that has the karate girl that pops out of him? Oh yes, yes, the old guy. Yeah, who, who has the young the young Asian girl who pops out of him? Is that yeah. right? Okay, is she Asian? I I, I can't might remember. Be Latina. I, I barely know. remembered anything of that show. Right. <laughs> so yes. Right. She is of indeterminate origin, uh-huh. but uh, I almost put him because like everyone talked about how great he was, and I never really felt it. Hmm. But I thought Dan Stevens was pretty good because, I mean, he has to be he has to play he has to be insane he has to be powerful he has to have a believable romantic attachment to people, um, even though he's got all these otherworldly powers and pressures on him, uh, he has to be sympathetic he has to be scary, um, and like I never think of Dan Stevens like I think of Dan Stevens as cousin cousin Matthew mm-hmm. from Downton Abbey. Uh, so yeah, I felt I felt like David Stevens, Dave, Dan Stevens was kind of the breakout of uh, uh, Noah Hawley's Legion. Okay, I can agree with that. Uh, I don't. But the material's so weird. I don't it's know such, that I bold him. Such a that's what I'm saying. It's such a weird, twisted. Um, I don't know uh, Wes Anderson type performance. I, I I'm I'm with you on that. I don't know if you should be bolded. Uh, another one I struggle with. John Bernthal's The Punisher. Now, mm-hmm. have you 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 finished The Punisher? It sounds I finished like it, yeah. Um, I mean, he's, there is he's, no one else who he, can play the Punisher again. He's clearly <laughs> the best Punisher we've ever had. Yeah, not that we've had great. He Punishers. defines the Punisher in my mind now. Yeah, and all the things like like all of the crazy Shane shit he's done over the years has essentially he turned it up to eleven, and he is the Punisher. Like, mm-hmm. but. I mean, I felt like the Punisher the first couple of days, like because of people's wariness and and tiredness of dealing with like gun violence in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like there was a lot of unfair takes about the Punisher, um, and I thought it's a shame because I thought John did a really good job, and there it, it's a lot more nuanced of a of a role and of a performance and of a show than it was given given credit for. Mm-hmm. But I also. Don't blame the people that found it hard to, to overlook the the the, as, the aspects that they were not overlooking. Sure, yeah. I mean, this is not like the category is not America's most sensitive show, 
No. This is about the performance, and I think but John Bernthal... Like, John Bern- Bernthal's so fucking sad. Like, they just, like... Uh-huh. Like, 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 they really make it clear how Frank is just this, like, just over... Does He's just got this enormous hole that he can never fill. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even, like... It wasn't even, like, his wife and children was the thing that ripped the hole there. That hole was there, and that just made it worse. That made him yeah. from someone who could white-knuckle through society... To someone who just is this 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 rage monster now, and then when they reconnect him with another like almost surrogate family here, like yeah, uh, I I think that becomes really powerful and interesting as well, and he he's able to show another gear, I guess. Like we get yeah. we get the glimpse into what he could be like right now with a family, right? Um, he can be a very loving person, a very right. caring father and husband, but. Right. But you also get those. We also get those like indications that he also like yeah he can be that, but also like at a flip of a switch he's got this this deep well of anger yes and viciousness that he can't even fully put away when he's dealing with with children yeah um and he recounts stories of his own family and then you kind of see him in the way he interacts with others that like is it's always that kind of scary and it's like you know that's the thing like dealing with. Um, trauma especially trauma that you find on the battlefield or doing really ba- really bad things uh that you're trained to do and you're lauded for and you're praised for and then you get back home and like this is i mean this is hurt locker stuff but how many people who watch the punisher has never seen a hurt locker probably a lot so like i think yeah, it's worthy maybe, thing- yeah. i think there's worthy things to explore yeah i mean as far as john bernthal goes i i mean he's an animal when he needs to be like, yeah, like I, I don't s- think i've seen such just an animalistic performance you from that, anyone that, that, else. Oh, I was, I was talking about me and Seth were talking about that, like that that John Bernthal growl he does, yeah. like when like like when Frank goes into the red zone, <gasps> he starts just there's <gasps> like, <gasps> this bestial like bull sound, like yeah. uh, it's it's fucking crazy, it's crazy, and the shit that he gets up to, some of the violence in this show mm-hmm. is as over the top as anything I've ever seen, mm. like even like American Gods really fucking gets cr- crazy ass violent but there's almost like a joy or a playfulness to the full bones whereas the punisher it's just it's like oh jesus i'm gonna have to look away it's punishing i'm gonna have to look away as he takes this guy's face to a, a fucking cheese grater for five minutes or whatever <laughs> it happens to be and i think there are, there is like plenty of range in this performance but it's outshined I think, or or it's easy to ignore the range in favor of like this animalistic Punisher, right? Anger, well, yeah. that, that John Bernthal is in this, and I feel like that kind of detracts from it overall. And uh, honestly, so I think this is the best paced of any of the Marvel superheroes. There's yeah. only like one episode I that I thought was a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, the first episode was almost so ridiculous, like that the scene of him destroying the wall just with a, the sledgehammer. a sledgehammer. I felt like that was all threatening to be too much. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, what the fuck? Why would anyone give you this, like, like job? Like, it's right. not that you're working to... Like, nobody would be worried that you're working so hard you're going to show them up. They're going to be like, you're working so inefficiently. Yeah. Dude, we have, we have a giant... We have a 100-foot-tall crane with a 5-ton wrecking ball that can do that job in five seconds. What the fuck? <laughs> Yep, you know this isn't this isn't your, ther- your, your therapy. Your therapy session. You're soaking sessions. up all our overtime. Right. You're staying here from dawn till dusk. It, it, like, it was a little bit like the same thing that 33 minute episode of Battlestar. It's like uh, you're taking 
like a believable reaction to grief and rage and turning it so far up that it becomes like a self-parody. Like, yeah. like having soldiers stay up for seven days in a cockpit is ridiculous. The, the way having this guy bust walls 24-7, his hands are falling apart. Like, mm-hmm. like you just no, you can't. The human body can't do that. <laughs> I don't. Did, also, did yeah. any of the any of his just like borderline hard like 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 was he too hard to kill? A little bit, sure. Like, like I know we we talked about that with Daredevil too. Like they skirt that line between like can Matt Murdock take this much punishment and keep going? And I felt like they were similarly straddled, having trouble straddling that same line with the uh, the Punisher. Because, like, it's one thing, I guess, to get beat up, but when you're getting shot... Yeah. Uh, and you're taking so many bullets, and you're losing so much it's blood. so much blood, and, yeah. So much blood. And then you're uh, still... But you still don't lose any combat effectiveness. I don't know. Maybe he just need to limp a little bit more. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, I felt like... In season one, especially of Daredevil, like, Matt Murdock was, skate, was, was just getting through these fights by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Um, Another ten seconds of fighting, and he would have lost steam and right. been, been killed. Where the pacing on some of these these, these Punisher fights are just like he should have been at death's door, and then he just gets a second win because the plot required him to. Yeah, uh, I I do I do like when they um, kind of fully unleash him at the the end, not against Billy, but against um, the the other. I can't remember his name. The the evilest of the all villains, Cloudy Eye McGee. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when yeah. they unleash the CIA him, CIA operative. Yeah, against that guy, they they have a good reason that he could continue to take punishment mm. and keep going. Right. Um, so at least there, it made some sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part. Uh, what do you think? Uh, you wanted to talk about Evan Moss Bacharach as um, Micro Microchip, the David Lieberman. Oh yeah, I I think he was really good as this borderline. Um losing his mind kind of guy right he's yeah. like he's he's like he's an in a Snowden very type. similar position as the punisher right. throughout this series because he can't go see his family now his family's still alive it is funny because they're they're he, he the mirror hope, image of each other frank has lost his family but is a ghost in the world where this guy uh-huh. his family is still there but he can't see them yeah it's, and, it, that, and that push pull is really interesting. That actor gives that role like that borderline feel to it. Like mm-hmm. he he plays it just enough, like right on the edge, where I I I lean at times toward like, is this believable? Is this performance good? Right. And then he always brings me back around to yes, actually he's playing this perfectly. So the one problem I had is that he plays Marnie's douchebag boyfriend on Girls. Oh shit! Okay. And like I didn't. that performance was on the other side pulling. So I, I think I huh. finally got there. The the low point was there's a scene where he tries to cheer up Frank by whipping his dick out. <laughs> And I'm like, this is just fucking stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they're both smashed. They're both fucking. But it's just that's just that's such fucking stupid scene, in my opinion. And yeah, I, it, I don't know with the, the see, macho this, army that's guys, what I'm saying. like, like um, or may, military maybe, guys. May, maybe. I mean, Frank. It, it's the only thing that 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 poked a little fun at Frank, and I think you know he needed a little a pun, a fun poked at him, a little yeah. pun. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know, but that, that's the thing. Like if you really dug him, then maybe it is a little, uh, girls hung, hung hangover. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he kept that role like right on the edge the whole time, which is kind of what it needed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. 